Welcome to the HCI Family of Podcasts, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Join us for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the HCI family of podcasts. Amy Lavoie, welcome to the conversation today. Thanks so much, John. It's great to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. I talk with people from all around the world, and it just so happens today we're both local. You're joining us from Salt Lake City. I'm just south of Salt Lake City. Today we're going to be talking about a new torch study that confirms how coaching creates a virtuous cycle of positive behavior and change that benefits. There's so many really great outcomes from the study, and we're going to try to unpack that and better understand some of what this means for organizational leaders today. As we get started, I wanted to share Amy's bio with everybody. Amy Lavoie is responsible for enabling a culture at Torch where people can thrive. She has spent her career studying and practicing the science of happiness and success at work, both as an internal HR practitioner and an external consultant, guiding some of the world's leading organizations on how to engage their people for outsized performance. Most recently, Amy led the development and integration of people science into products, messaging, and services for Glint, LinkedIn, and Microsoft. I could go on, but I'm going to pause there, Amy. Anything else you would like to highlight by way of your background or personal context before we dive on into the broader conversation? No, uh, I think you covered it well. Just say that um, I'm really passionate about using technology to create more humanity in the world of work. And um, I just am really excited about this new research because I think it helps us to better understand how how we can influence that and do that. And coaching is just um, has had a really meaningful impact on me and something I wish more people mm. could benefit from. I definitely think everyone can benefit from it. It's kind of like therapy. I think everyone should have a therapist. I think everyone should have a coach. And whether it's formal or informal coaching that happens, everyone needs that like that personal board of advisors that you can lean on, get the coaching, get the mentoring, get the support you need to go through the, the stages of career development because it's just too complicated. It's too hard. It's too messy. And everyone needs support. I could not agree more. It's like if you're only being coached um, by, you know, your own brain or the voices in your head, like it is really <laughs> hard to to make sense of things. And, it, you know, I mean, you've probably experienced it, John. I know I have like absolutely transformational impact when you have someone that can just listen and ask you questions and help you really what coaching does. It kind of helps you find your, the answers within you and help you to kind of just get out of your own way, which a lot of us do work through really complicated things that happen when mm -hmm. we interact with humans. And, um, it's, it's just an amazing resource that I'm so excited. Technology has enabled to be able to, to make it more accessible to more people. Yeah. And, and I think sometimes we, we dig at technology, right. And we say like that we're losing the humanity through AI and, and various innovations and, and automations and such that doesn't need to be the way it is though. Like we absolutely can have technology and humanity go hand in hand and they can mutually reinforce and allow us to do things in better ways. 
Um, you mentioned the voices in our heads. I think that's a scary thought. You know, I, you know, this, the voices in my head, I want to get out of my head as much as possible um, and, and hear the voices of other people and, and get the input and, you know, leverage what other people can share with me to help shape my self-reflection. All of that's just really important. So this is what we're going to dive into as we talk about this torch study. Why don't you start by uh, painting the picture for us, kind of the background behind this study, why this study in particular, um, why now, and then we can start to talk about some methodology and some of the key findings. Great. Yes. So uh, just to back up really quickly, torch, uh, we exist to unlock the potential of people, teams, and organizations. And we do that by creating and connecting uh, humans together uh, through technology. So I'm really glad that you shared that. I absolutely agree that there is there that technology can really unlock a lot, but ultimately what we are using technology for is to help you get the right match based on your own needs and styles and the things that you want to, to work on. Get um, We use algorithms to help connect you with someone who we believe you will hit it off with right away, because that can actually be a pretty big barrier to entry. Um, and we use technology to help you have access to coaches, no matter where in the world you are, um, using screens and technology. You don't have to be in an office in, you know, in the, the co corporate headquarters, um, and available to go meet with someone in person. Um, and so we also can use the technology to help really make sure that the coaching you're getting is aligned to the organization's strategies and priorities in a way that we just couldn't do it before which is why only those at the top of the house seem to have the resources to, to get coaches in the past. Uh, so that's a little bit about Torch. And, you know, I think um, one thing that I've always seen and believed is that culture is happening whether or not we do yeah. anything about it. Um, you know, you are um, going to see it evolve, going to see certain things um, uh, expand and really as leaders and as um, an organization and HR professionals, we want to kind of get more in the driver's seat of that. It, but it's very hard to do, right? Because so much of culture happens in the day-to-day -day, norms, decisions, um, what's being reinforced or being punished in an organization. And you can't be in the middle of all of that. So how do you mm -hmm. enable the people that are in the middle of more of it to be able to be a positive force for good uh, with, uh, with creating the culture that you want and the culture that you need to drive your business forward? And so we kind of know this anecdotally. We all know examples of really negative culture expansion. I think that's, um, we, you know, we call the positive and virtuous version of that the ripple effect. But I think when we see it happen in a negative way, it feels almost a little more like a wildfire, like it just can take off. You know, we th see things like when Wells Fargo had the, the fraudulent accounts or Volkswagen was falsifying emissions, these things can happen. And often without even the awareness of, um, of leadership because of what's happening on the ground. And so we want to really understand, you know, what can we do to try to influence that positive change and what are the most effective ways to do that? And our customers are telling us, and we experience it, that when they invest in coaching, it's not just that leader who has the coach who's improving. It is 
it's expanding and it's like all these things are happening, but it feels really intangible. You know, they know it, their mm -hmm. teams know it, but how do you convey that to the leadership team? And that's what we were embarking on. There really is not great research to help quantify that and understand what are the levers you can pull and what are the things that you have the biggest impact on when you invest in coaching. So that's what this leader, this um, research was all about is understanding and kind of quantifying what we call that ripple effect that happens when you um, bring coaching into an organization. Yeah, the positive ripple effect. I sometimes think about the negative downward spiral, you know, the wildfire uh, yeah. that you were talking about that that's the kind of more negative side, uh, mm -hmm. for sure. The, thinking of ways also to democratize coaching, um, because like you said, traditionally, it's really top executives, senior leaders who tend to be the ones that get the coaches. Um, and we know that leaders at all levels of a hierarchy, really everyone could use a coach, um, but it's expensive. It's time consuming, right? And so there's all these reasons why it doesn't happen. And so finding ways to democratize that, or at, at minimum to to leverage the the uh, the impacts of the coach on the individual leader for their broader team uh, is going to be really, really important. Yeah, it's so important. And I just wanted to say one thing that I think is really important is um, we define leaders as anyone who takes responsibility for the success of those around them. Mm -hmm. and I think that's important because if you look at the way work gets done now, if you've, if you've done any anything with, you know, organizational network analysis, you know that it's not just the people managers. It's not just mm -hmm. the senior leaders or the directors and above who are having an influence on the culture. So that is another thing that, you know, technology has enabled is for us to be able to reach a lot more people who actually do have an outsized impact on what's happening in the organization. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So let's dig in, maybe describe just briefly some of the nuts and bolts behind the methodology of this, um, the sampling, et cetera. Uh, and then we can talk about some of the, the, the results. Yes. Yeah, so at a high level, we looked at organizations who are investing in, in coaching and, um, we looked across 22 different industries, had a really large sample size. And what we were trying to understand is not just what is the impact of those who have gone through coaching. That's something we get data on all the time through our uh, platform. We wanted to understand the impact that was happening for the direct reports of those people, for the key stakeholders of those people. What were they seeing from that person that had gone through coaching? And also what were they experiencing themselves as a result of a more effective active uh, leader. Uh, so that's high level. What we were looking for, we had um, large sample size across lots of different demographics and industries to make sure that we were getting valid and reliable results. Awesome. And those words, hopefully for anyone who's kind of a data wonk, we'll kind of, we won't go into the, like the, 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 de the data analytics and analysis and stats behind it, but hopefully those words will trigger for you that yes, these are valid and reliable results with good sample sizes, um, et cetera. So we'll just leave it that there. Okay. Let's talk about how this all works. The, the science aspect, how emotions can spread to other workers through psychological process of mm -hmm. contagion. I know that's one of the findings that came out of this report. Yeah, I think that is really important. Um, that that word, hopefully that phrase kind of makes sense, but just to define it really clearly, emotional contagion is when our emotions inspire similar emotions in other people. And what we found is that uh, while there are some really tangible changes that happen as a result of going through coaching, one of the, the kind of phenomenons that, that's happening is that when someone goes through coaching, they are not only improving their skills, they're improving their confidence 
confidence. They're improving their um, resilience. They're improving their ability to be agile and to feel positive and equipped to handle you know, what is really can be really challenging in this world of work. And that is what is, um, is part of what is spreading and kind of creating this virtuous ripple or virtuous cycle, um, that can, can have a really positive, uh, impact. Yeah. And I, I just really like that, uh, idea of, of contagion, uh, around coaching. Uh, and you've already mentioned the ripple effect. Tell us a little bit more about what you found about this ripple effect uh, right. through this study. Great. Um, so some of the the things that were really powerful were just the extent of the impact. And, and we knew, you know, anecdotally that we would see something, but um, we saw that 94% of those that we surveyed saw their manager improve in a lot of really tangible ways. Um, and that is something that is, you know, when you think about the impact that a manager can have, especially a manager who is struggling on not only the effectiveness of the work, but sometimes really the livelihood of the employees that, um, that they are managing, that is pretty incredible. Um, just to dig into that a little bit more, um, a lot of what the top changes that employees were reporting seeing from their managers fall actually under the category of communication. So how they're communicating um, in meetings, how they are enabling the employees with information, how they are open to feedback and receptive to having hard conversations, um, which is just such an important part of, of everything that we do in something that I know as a uh, an HR leader myself, um, as a business leader, is just so hard to influence and control when you're trying to kind of create a big trading program to improve communications. Uh, so that was really powerful. And I'll just give you one quick quote that really stood out to, mm. um, to me. Uh, one direct report said, since my manager's coaching, the standout change at work is the evident shift in how our team communicates. Meetings have transformed into focused, open, and inclusive sessions, valuing every team member's input, and that shift has nurtured better collaboration. So, you know, just to kind of see an employee say, like, not only are our meetings more effective, but, you know, you're also driving things like innovation, and I feel like I belong more, and I feel like yeah. I'm valued more. Um, these are really powerful, uh, powerful examples of the ripple. Yeah, uh, that's amazing. And uh, I, I one of the results I saw, uh, 94% of respondents seeing positive change in their managers um, as a result of the coaching, especially around communication. Mm -hmm. Six of those top 10 changes they see come in the communication category, communication kind of sphere. Um, do you want to speak to that a little bit more? Um, yeah, and I can actually share with you some of those specific um, sure, Yeah specific kind of communication categories that were bubbling up in um, in those top 10 findings, um, more effectively communicating with others, being more open to feedback, asking more questions. Wow, what a hard skill <laughs> to know how to <laughs> ask versus tell. Um, giving useful feedback, active listening, which is like so connected to really getting to the root of what might be going on um, and managing difficult conversations. Those are all some of the, the communication skills that we saw um, employees experience uh, as improvements for their manager. And with this ripple, 91% of employees report positive improvements in their own skills. Um, maybe speak to some of that. 
This John is my favorite part of this research and something we were hoping to find, but just really awesome to see more detail around that and how big that impact is. So as you said, 91% of employees were saying that they actually felt like they were improving, their skills were improving, their mindsets um, were improving as a result of their manager being coached. So this was like really getting into that deeper uh, example of that ripple effect. A couple kind of deeper, uh, or sorry, diving a little deeper into that. Um, 51% of respondents shared that their manager has helped them and has helped them encourage them to be more curious and to continuously learn. We saw a lot of things related to growth growth mindset. So taking, um, uh, taking chances, making mistakes, sharing an, a controversial idea, um, knowing that they can improve something that they might have felt was really hard. That's massive. And we know about, uh, you know, a learner's mindset and growth mindset from uh, Rucker's work. And I know Satya Nadella is big in kind of creating that culture. So that's something that, you know, without a ton of intentionality, um, we were seeing really had a, had a big impact. Um, also saw that respondents were more open to learning new skills that they might've been kind of afraid of in the past. And we know in this changing world of work, that skill um, development and redevelopment or um, learning totally new skills is, is critical. And another one that I appreciate is that more than two and three respondents said they strengthened their sense of self-efficacy, i.e. their ability to accomplish a task um, and their own sense of competence and effectiveness by their coach, you know, essentially being able to help them work through that skill development. And that's huge. I mean, you talk about lifelong learning, you talk about growth mindset and Carol Dweck's work. Um, this being able to, to increase your self-efficacy, um, is just a vital general kind of mindset shift in, in, in skill set in an unknown future. Uh, you know, as we move into the complexities of, of life and in organizations and the shifting nature of work and how organizations need to be able to pivot, um, often on a dime, like in order to do all of that and for you to feel like you can navigate that. Uh, self-efficacy is really huge. It's really, really important. Uh, and so that's that's one of those findings. I mean, two and three uh, report that, uh, which is amazing. And then the next question is, well, how do we get that other one and three uh, to, to also feel that way, right? Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the most important skills that managers um, should have is not just making, you know, that other third get there, but also being able to talk openly if it's not the right path for them or not the right role for them. And so I was really encouraged to see, um, you know, kind of having difficult conversations, having, um, being able to share, uh, you know, more constructive feedback. Feedback is just something that is so sorely struggling in a lot of organizations. And so, you know, I look at it that you might not get to hundred percent on this one, but that might be because we're actually having the right conversations with people about performance management and some of the things that, um, that might mean they're not the right fit for the role. So all of these to your point are just so critical in an unknown world. We cannot rely on an internal communications team um, to be able to like get everyone the information that they need in the time they need it to have a training team, give people the skills they need, 
uh, have, you know, every level of leadership approve on a, a decision that needs to be made in the moment. Like the world of work is moving so rapidly that one of the biggest lessons in leadership for, for me in this kind of age is that we need to let go as leaders. Mm. We need to let go. And it's really scary. But when you give people at all levels, the organization at the organization, the, the skills to know how to make decisions, how to have hard conversations, when to raise things up, when to just move forward. Like that's when the magic happens and when we can pivot and respond to this change quickly. Yeah. If I, as you were saying that I, I 100% agree, we need to learn how to trust, how to let go, how to empower um, those mm -hmm who have the technical expertise to do the work that needs to get done when I'm leading a team, hopefully I'm not micromanaging them. Um, but it's, it's like this, I, I see on both ends of the spectrum problems with people who are like in the weeds, micromanaging, and it's all about them. That's not effective. Nobody likes that. But I've also seen people who say, Oh, I don't want to micromanage my team. And so then they're like, it's complete laissez faire, like nothing. There's actually yeah. no management going on. There's no leadership going on. There's no support going on. Obviously, neither of those are good or effective. Um, and so we need to simultaneously, you know, tr develop trust, mutual accountability and trust with our teams. Part of that is those performance conversations. Part of that is having accountability measures in place. Um, you still have to lead. You still have to set a vision. You still have to right. have those conversations. You still have to support. And that's nothing we've said today is rocket science. Like it's all, there's lots of research behind this that's been done in academia for years. Lots of industry studies that have looked at some of the different principles we talked about. And so this report is, is, is really shining a light on coaching specifically, but none of this is rocket science, but it's oh. all really hard to do because you get so caught up in your day-to-day and -day putting out fires and just like responding to all the, the immediate pressures that you don't do the simple things consistently that need to happen in order to have the positive culture, to have the trusting relationships and to, to to accomplish all these other things we're discussing. Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so true. And, you know, I joke about, we're a coaching company. We were founded by two um, executive coaches and clinical psychologists, and we have to work all the time on right. things like having difficult conversations and um, you know, not, you know, that, that candor is kindness and not just always being nice and empathetic because we're very human first relationships, first company. It's hard to do. And we have experts in our company all over our, our team and it's hard to do. And I love the point you made, John, about how, you know, you kind of have these two extremes of, of, of what we've seen with either like too much management or too little. And I think that's really been exacerbated in a distributed world of work. You know, you have the, in the absence of sort of so much, you know, just um, ability to kind of see everyone day in and day out. And in those in-between times, you've got the managers that just dig in and try to micromanage. And then you've got some that just are like, almost like, well, I trust they're getting things done and maybe uh, they'll let me know when they need something. And the truth is that the sweet spot is in the middle and, um, and, and when things are hard, like conflict and, um, and talking about things where we may not know all the answers, uh, a lot of our tendencies are to kind of clam up and, and to, to, to shut down and to, oh, let's just go focus on putting out the latest fire of the day or, or, or check off the to-do list when, the real thing that we need is, um, is some of this deeper connection and, and communication. 
Absolutely. Amen. Well, Amy, this has just been a really great conversation. I know at the time I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find this report, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, please don't hesitate to check us out at torch.io. You can get, um, find access to the latest, this latest report and a lot of other resources that we put out to help kind of create these coaching cultures internally. Um, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, Amy Lavoie. I would be happy to connect and learn and share, um, with all of you as we are navigating these things together. Um, and finally, you know, I think one of my, uh, one of the things about the report that is just so important, like you said, John, it's it's not rocket science, but yet we're not doing it. Sometimes I feel like, you know, the scientific equations are easier to do than this stuff. So it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, it's, uh, in some ways you wish there was that, the, you know, there was, there was a textbook or a playbook on what exactly to do and we're not doing it. And so we realize that a lot of times organizations intuitively knowing it's the right thing to do is not enough to get the business case to find funding and to, um, be able to, uh, roll out new programs and convince, you know, the CFO in a tight budget time that this is something you need. So I just want to leave you with one other stat that came out of the research, um, which is about the impact that coaching has on overall company performance. So we were able to tie this also to things like retention rate. We know how expensive it can be to attract employees, mm-hmm. rates of promotion, and even increased level of levels of performance. So those who go through coaching are reporting 71% um, increase in performance that has a direct impact on business results. And so this is not just a nice to have, this is directly tied to what we do as HR leaders and helping our organizations be more successful. Um, we don't get to just treat people kindly if our, our organizations are not succeeding in achieving their goals. And so, um, we're trying to help equip our customers and the world with making the case for what we know is this really important thing. Yeah, well said. Amy, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Amy and her team can do for you. Check out the report. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the podcast. We hope you stay healthy and safe, and please join us again soon.